Christian, a child of God. But second and all, as an American, and I don't know about y'all, but I am thankful for the way God has blessed me in my 58 years of being able to live in this great land called America. I want to ask you this morning, turn with me in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to show you something that many of us may not realize, but everything that God has written and given us in the Word of God is given to us to show us as an example of how He works in the people who He is covenant, who He has come into relationship with. And it tells us here that these things have been written, we're fixing to look at, as an example for our admonition so that we can learn how God operates and how he works. And he's writing and speaking this toward Israel. And we're going to read this together, and I want you to grasp something. Then we're going to flip over to the book of Judges, and we're going to look at something in there. And I want to write, speak to us this morning about America the beautiful and how beautiful America is. But today America is not what it used to be, if we are honest. If you don't see that there's serious, serious troubles in America today, you have little, if any, spiritual discernment and wisdom. We are in a problem. We are in a place where we are in desperate need of God to do something in our land that only He can do, man can't fix. And I think we have fallen in the same pattern, the same example that Israel fell in. Israel was chosen by God. They were unbelievably blessed by God. They were given privilege and they was given unbelievable possibilities and and, and such potential. But they wasted it because they would not follow the God who gave it to them. And America is very similar. America was chosen, whether you want to believe that by God, to do a special work upon this earth, in this land. And he brought people here, and uh, colonies were started, and then a nation was started. And no nation anywhere else has given a place for the gospel in the New Testament church to have freedom to do what the Bible says to do in America. And we've seen the fruit of that. As you look here with me this morning, though, I want you to understand something, that the same Christ that blesses us in our household, in our nation, in our country, is the same God that blessed Israel. We don't always realize it, but it was Jesus that was leading Israel. He was the one who sent the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and led them and blessed them with the manna and blessed them with the water from the rock. And he parted the Red Sea. Jesus did that. And I want you to see what Paul says right here in verse 1 of chapter 10, 1 Corinthians. He says, moreover, brethren, that's every one of us that are saved, we're in covenant with God through Jesus Christ, through the new covenant of his shed blood. He says, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers, he's attributing all of our fathers are the children of Israel. That's what he's talking about. Look at what he says. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. 
All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. He's referring to the manna. And all drank of the same spiritual drink. He's referring to the water that come from the rock. And they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ, my friend. That's what he's wanting you to see. Now these things, look at verse 6. These things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Anyone who knows the Old Testament history of Israel knows that with all of the blessings that God gave them and how he delivered them and how he provided for them, they didn't lust after God, they lusted after other things. And the Bible warns us not to follow that example. And then he gives us a, it's almost as if he's describing America. He says, do not become idolaters as were some of them. Do not make other things more important than God. Do not set God aside so that you can make other things the gods and worship them more than God. And anything that gets more of our attention, receives more of our affection, that we give more of our life to, then God is an idol. And look at what he says. And do not become idolaters if some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's what America's doing. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them. Also, the temp were tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complain. You know, as I walk around America today, there's much more complaining going on than praising. Much more people seeing something wrong with America than saying, blessed. We might sing it today. We might recognize today that we are blessed. But guys, as a whole, everyone's seeing things wrong more than they're seeing things right. And a lot of people are troubled, and certainly we should be to a degree. But listen what he goes on and says. Nor complain, as some of them also complain, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now look at verse 11. Now all these things, these examples, Israel and how God dealt with them, as they lusted after evil things, as they sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play, and worshipped idols, and had false gods, how they committed sexual immorality, how they tempted Christ, how they complained and murmured. <laughs> he says, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And then he says, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. America better listen to this. America better look at the example of what happened to Israel, and America better wake up. And they better take heed, they better look, and they better see that the example of how God dealt with Israel and how Israel fell is now America's no better than Israel, friend. We don't have any special favors. We don't even have the covenant promise that Israel had as a nation. Israel had a covenant promise as the nation, as a people group. The only covenant promise America has comes through Jesus Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the body of Christ, the church. We have no national, no united as Americans covenant with God. The only thing that brings America under the blessings of God 
It's the presence of the body of Christ and the gospel that's being preached. And now, friends, that's what gets us favored to God. And friends, I want you to think about this as we read that verse one more time. Verse 11. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. Happened to who? Israel. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Now, turn with me to the last chapter of Judges. We're going to look at the last verse of the last chapter, how that book closes. And that book is a description. This describes how and what happened to Israel and why they fell. And guys, I don't know about you, but I remember those songs. We sang some this morning, and I love it when God does something like this. I have them wrote down, and I didn't even know Jonathan was going to sing them, but America the Beautiful. You know, there was a time where you didn't get looked at bad for bragging on America. You didn't offend somebody for saying America's beautiful. Friends, they taught us this in school. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. There was a time where the grace of God, the grace of God shed upon this nation to the point that we were united before we were Democrats, before we were Republicans, before we were black, before we were white, we were Americans at one time in this nation, and the grace of God made that possible. Not a politician. And it wasn't because of litigation that came through government. You know what makes us one nation under God? God. That's what unites us. And that's the only thing that will ever unite us again is that we come under the Lordship of Christ and His Word. The other one I love is God bless America. God bless America, land that I love. I look at a generation behind us coming up and I wonder if they love us. They don't seem to be happy with the America that I grew up in. They want to change it. They complain about it. They say what else wrong with it. If it's so bad, why do they want to be here? But guys, listen, America I grew up in, I was taught to love America. And it says, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her from the night and the light from above, from the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home. Sweet home. I don't know about you, but when you can't love your home, you got a problem. In America that I grew up in, I loved. And I don't understand why so many people today who are Americans find so many faults. I'm not here to tell you first, she's not perfect. But you know why people stay here and they don't leave? Do you know why everyone's trying to leave everywhere else to get here? Because there is no better place to go than America. It's like Reagan said, if we lose the freedom here, there's nowhere else to go. And people come here because of what America stands for. May I remind you that the people who gave us the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were men that were highly influenced to the point that their life gave us the Constitution from the life that this book tells us about. We may not believe this today, but once upon a time in America, the Bible was taught in the public school system. 
You may not believe this today, but back in those days, prayers to the God of the Bible was also practiced in the classroom, and I can remember it. There once was a standard of righting wrong called the Ten Commandments that was nationally accepted as the foundation of our moral code. But those days are gone. How did it happen? Where, where did we get to get like this? Guys, I want you to listen to me. No matter how they try to re rewrite history, no matter how many statues they want to tear down, no matter how many documents they want to destroy, no matter how many textbooks that taught us the history that we grew up hearing, and they want to rewrite it, they can't change what happened. And I want you to think about this this morning. The historical evidence testifies there was once a society and a culture called America that was founded upon and rooted in the Judeo-Christian principles of truth and righteousness found in the Holy Word of God, the Bible, my friend. And if you don't believe me, right around America, there's churches everywhere you go. You can't hide it. You can't go very far in a country, rural area of America anywhere without finding a church building somewhere. You know why? Because that's what helped us to be what we are. Guys, listen, as the expansion moved west and the pioneers went out and they began to, to civilize the frontier, they'd build little townships everywhere they went. And when they get there, they'd be a country store, a general store. They'd build a hotel. They'd build a lot of things. They'd build a saloon. But not far from the saloon, they always built a church. There's always been the bad, the saloon, and that type of life. But in America, there's always been the good, the body of Christ, the church, and somebody preaching Jesus. They can't take that away. But friends, today, they want to remove that. They want to, and, and there seems to be a large percentage of somebody in this generation that's here today that agrees that it's bad. Friends, I know there's a lot of things bad. There's racism in America. There's always been some of that. It's everywhere else. There's been other things in America that we wish wasn't. But friends, today, they're not going to fix racism by changing what we teach in the schools and coming up with some doctrine called critical race theory. Instead of introducing critical race theory into our churches, maybe we ought to reintroduce the Bible, amen? Because I want to tell you, when it comes to racism, I can tell you the problem. Racism is not rooted in a man's color of his skin. Racism is rooted in the wickedness of his heart. He's a sinner. And it all starts with sin. And everything that needs to be known about how to deal with racism is in this book right here, the Word of God. But we're divided on that. We're divided on our political ideologies. We're divided by anything and everything you can find to make us diversified. But guys, we got to get past the things that make us different and we got to again find what makes us the same. And what made us the same one time, regardless of what they used to say, we were at one time a Christian nation. Friends, you're going to see right here that what happened to Israel has happened already as I speak in America. All you got to do is look at the news. You see, America was given the great privilege to have the presence of the body of Christ like no other in the whole world. Christianity flourished. Christianity influenced our culture and our society like no others. And the Bible was taught 
and people had liberty to live the Bible as they saw fit, and if you didn't want to, that was your business. But because you didn't want to, you didn't have a right 50 years ago, much less 100 years ago, to tell everybody else you don't have a right to say that's how we want to live. And most people in America accepted the standard of the Word of God as the moral code that made us who we are. I want you to think about this. You never heard anything about Muslims and the Koran and Sharia law having a right to be a part of how we govern America 50 years ago, did you? A hundred years ago, nobody knew what the Koran was. And friends, there was a time where there was one God, the God of creation, the God of the Bible, Jehovah God, who had a son whose name was Jesus. And everyone looked at that as God. But friends, as these other nations have been among us, their influence has become more and more of a visible presence and there was a time where we wouldn't have listened to Allah. Me and you wouldn't. Allah can go back where he came from. You know where Allah came from? Hell. They can take their corrupted book, the Koran, and send it back where it came from. And Sharia law has no more business being placed in America and this this taking the place of our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence than the Koran has taken the place of the Bible. Or Allah has equal authority to God, Jesus, Jehovah. But you see, we allowed them to do it. We kept listening. And it got to where they started changing. And then you got atheism came in. Then you had evolution show up. And everyone began to speak all these ungodly, demonic doctrines to where now evolution can be taught in our public schools to our children, but creationism can't. They won't even give it equal billing. Allah can be mentioned in most of our schools. They have no problem with the Koran, but walk in there with a Bible and mention the name of Jesus and see what happens in a PTA meeting. And I'm here to tell you right now that everything you need to know how to deal with and how to treat one another, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of what nation is in the Bible. The Bible tells me that we were created by one blood, every nation. And the Bible also teaches and shows if the Bible and the gospel could unite a Gentile and a Jew and take away their prejudice and make them become one, certainly it ought to be able to unite anybody else when you get Jesus in your heart and when Jesus gets his word in your heart you don't have to worry about racism you don't have to worry about political agendas because you have an agenda it's God and friends listen today in America we have forgotten this great truth you see the men who gave us what we know as America were men who believed in this book in this God this is what they write, the first thing. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Truths, self-evident, that all men are created equal. I emphasize created. We didn't come from monkeys. We didn't come from evolution. We were created equal. That they are endowed by their creator 
with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know why everybody all over the world is trying to get to America? Because America and that right there, truth, that the Constitution helped to enable and make a reality. Yes, it's got some things that can get not perfect, but the ideology, the idea of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence is that we're all equal, that we all have rights that were given to us, endowed to us by the Creator, and that when we recognize Him and we treat one another the way He says, you know the greatest law of all? Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And friends, if we would go back to that, and friends, I want you to think about this as we look. This is, though, the law of the land today. When you get to the end of the book of Judges, the last thing that it says, and it, re it, it references this verse three times, look at verse 25, verse 21. In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Today, there's no authority in America that every American recognizes and realizes that if we want the life that Creator created us to have, a life where we have inalienable rights that are endowed to us by God, there has to be an authority that everyone bows to. You can't make up your truth and they can't make up their truth, and everybody's truth is equal, and have peace, tranquility, and unity that produces life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At one time, America was under God. But America is no longer under God. And y'all remember what Reagan said, if we cease to be a nation under God, we will cease to be a nation. And I fear sometimes, how many more birthdays do we have left? What's happened? How could it happen? The same way it happened to them, I've watched it happen in my lifetime. And I want you to flip back with me to Judges chapter 1. And I'm going to give you a little rundown of Judges. Judges covers a period of about 340 years. Today we're 244, either 245, I'm not sure which one. Israel started out with such great promise in Joshua. They had conquered and taken possession of the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Joshua was a time of obeying God and victory. But the generation after Judge, J Joshua, the generation of judges was not faithful to God, which led to cultural decline and horrific sin. Judges is a time of disobeying God and defeat. And the book of Judges shows what happens to a society when it drifts away from following God and turns from the moral standards of holy God. And I want you to see what happens here with me. If you turn with me to chapter 1 in the book of Judges, there's a verse that I want you to see. You see, when they first took the land and they began to possess it, they were fighting against those who were already there. And you've heard about them. They're all the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites. They're all ungodly nations who have false gods who have taught 
ungodly, immoral lifestyles. And the first thing you see, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall we be first to go up for, against the Canaanites to fight against them? Guys, listen. They were told by God to fight against these ungodly nations. As a matter of fact, I want you to listen to this. He warned them in Deuteronomy chapter 7 before they went into the land. He told them this, just listen. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go in to possess and has cast out these many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Hevites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. I want you to notice, he said, don't make a covenant with them. Don't show mercy to them. Don't allow them even to be in your midst. Listen to what he tells them in verse, the next verse. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their sons, nor take their daughters for your son. And listen to this. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly if you do this. Guys, listen. At the end of Joshua, the Joshua generation that believed God, that fought and went in the blessings of God and took possession of the land, the last thing in that book, when you get to the end of it, Joshua's calling him out. He knows his time is near. As a leader, he's fixing to go to be with the Lord. And he says, today you must choose, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's how that book ends, the victory book. And they all said, we're going to serve him too. And he warned them again, if you go read it, this is what's going to happen if you're disfa- unfaithful, if you dishonor, if you don't follow God. God's not going to bless you. He's going to curse you. And so the first thing happens, he told them, when you go in, do not covenant with these people. Do not take them in with your people. Don't let your sons marry their daughters. Because if you do, they're going to turn your kids away from your God. So we get now to the book of Judges. How long did it take for that to happen? One generation. One generation. I can remember when I was a little boy, no one would talk bad about the church. No one would have ever openly ridiculed and made fun of Christians. You may have not been one, but you recognized and respected what they stood for. But today... They don't have any problem not only running down a Christian, but running down Jesus. And today I look and I think there used to be a moral code, but where did it go? And guys, as you look now in the 28th verse, I mean the 28th verse of chapter 1, you're going to see what happened. They didn't fight. They compromised. And they didn't run the Canaanites out. They didn't run the Jebusites out. In fact, they got to looking and they said, you know, we can use them. They can help us. We'll just put them under tribute and use them for labor. 
And so instead of listening to God and removing them and their influence, they allowed them to stay. And I want you to see what it says in verse 28. And it came to pass when Israel was strong, when they were strong, when they could have stood up for the Lord. They didn't. They put the Canaanites under tribute, but did not completely drive them out. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer. So the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Nor did Zebulon drive out the inhabitants of Ketron or the inhabitants of Naholo. So the Canaanites dwelt among them and they were put under tribute. A Christian nation, yes, we're to treat everyone with love. Yes, we're to treat everyone and try to win them to Jesus. But we are not to come to the place where we compromise and we make tribute with them and we enter covenant with them. My friends, we're getting just what we asked for. Because I'm telling you, 50 years ago, the church would have never, ever, for a moment, thought about compromising the way I see it compromising today. We're so afraid of not being politically correct and not being accepted by all our neighbors that we won't stand up for morality anymore. So we bent and we paid tribute and we listened and now we got same-sex marriage. We got homosexuality being crammed down the whole throat of our nation and no one can do a thing about it because we're no longer strong anymore. See, when we were strong and we had a voice, we didn't speak out. When we were strong and we had the primary influence over America, we didn't use it. But guys, listen, not only that, there was a time where a Muslim trying to preach Allah and trying to preach the Koran and win him a congregation in America wouldn't have gotten nowhere. But today, more people are coming to the Muslim faith than they are to the Christian faith in our younger generations of people. What in the world has happened? Because you see, as they allowed those Canaanites and those Heatites to live amongst them and work amongst them and be part of them, their gods slowly but surely became their children's gods. And their ways and their incorrupted, I mean, lifestyle, slowly but surely became their children's lifestyle. To where in one generation, they forgot about the God and what he had done. I want you to look at what he says right there. How did that happen? Well, if you look with me, it says in verse 7 of chapter 2, Look what it says in verse 7 of chapter 2. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. And now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. And I want you to look down at verse 10. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation rose up after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Friends, listen. Most of the younger generation has no clue what God did to make America what she is. They have no clue how he blessed us and what it took. They haven't been taught. They don't know our true history. Look at what he says. Then, look at verse 11. Because they didn't know the Lord. A generation, one generation. 
then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. What's that? That's the Allahs of their day. That's the Mohammeds of their day. They listened to their doctrines. That's the Koran of their day. And listen to what he goes on and says. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them. Guys, listen, today, it it blows my mind how we got young, educated college students who are so ignorant of history that they think socialism is better than capitalism that they don't have any problem with communism. We got senators that sit in our Senate, and we got congressmen that stand in our Congress who promote communism and socialism and Allah and Sharia law over the Constitution of the United States, and no one says anything. We allow it. And the sad part, is we got people who don't know the difference that's going to replace us when we're gone, and it's all coming. How did it happen? I don't see any other way except that influence. Friends, I'm here to tell you, a Muslim is welcome in this church. But when he comes, Sharia law don't come with him. The Koran stays out there, and Allah will never be praised as long as I'm the pastor of this church. We praise Jesus, we teach the Bible, and we believe in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence came as a result of men who believe just like us. If you want to come here, if you want to live here, you can be one of us. Friends, what's wrong with that? And guys, listen, they tell us, well, the reason they're all wanting to come here is because of how bad it is in their nation. I agree, other nations are bad compared to here. But it's not how bad their nation that forces them to be willing to leave their family, to leave their home where they were born, and believe their birthplace. That's not what makes them leave. It's because it's so good here. It's so, or it was once so good here. So then they leave socialism. They leave communism. They leave oppression. and They leave to where they have no liberty, and they come here. And instead of accepting it for what it is and what made this possible, they're trying to change it, and we're listening to them. And we're allowing them to speak it every day on media. The media promotes immorality. The media promotes socialism and communism. I don't know about y'all, but I remember where we came from. I had people that I can, in my lifetime, influenced me to be proud I'm going to be an American. I realized what it took to make America. I had a grandpa that fought in World War II. And I always used to listen and talk to him. And one day he pulled out this trunk, and he had these swords and these pistols, and they had German swastikas on them. And he said, yeah, I took this in the war. He said, this was a, I took this sword off of a major, a German major at the end of the war when they were surrendering. So they were coming in groves at the end. They was just giving up. And I took this and these pistols, P-38, 9 millimeters with swastikas on them. I took this from a German. And he had a, a flag in there, a flag. It was a swastika. And I said, where'd that come from, Papa? And he said, toward the end of that war, it was so bad that you couldn't even find a stick of wood to burn. It was freezing over there. 
and we was taking this little country, this town. He told me the name of it. I can't remember. He said, we spent the night in a bank. And while we was in that bank, we was burning anything, furniture, anything we could find. We was burning all their receipts to stay warm. And the next day when we got up to leave, that flag was hanging there, son. And I tore that flag down and I folded it up and I put it in my pack and I brought it home. I was doing show and tell at school when I was in elementary and I went and said, Papa, I want to tell the story you told about that. Can I tell it at school and have that flag? I got it. It's at my house. I could show it to you. He says, yeah, now let me tell you the story again. He said, now I tore that flag down, me and my friends. I'm going to give you that flag, but don't you ever hang it on a wall again. We got people today call everybody Nazis. They don't know what a Nazi is. They don't no more know what a Nazi is than a communist is. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I know enough to know communism. Everywhere it gets a root, everywhere it gets the foundation to control a government, people want to leave there and come here. Trump wanted to build a wall. A lot of people's upset about that. His wall wasn't to keep people here as prisoners. His wall was to keep people out because everybody wants to get in here. They built a wall in 1961 of August in a place called Berlin. It separated a city from East Berlin and West Berlin. That wall, Soviet Union didn't try to hide it. It wasn't to keep people out. It was to keep people in. You see, everywhere else they got to build walls to keep people in. In America, you got to build walls. That's how great America is. That's why they want to come here. You know why they want to come here? I can tell you in one word. Freedom. Freedom. But with freedom comes responsibility. And yes, we had to fight wars to keep freedom. Yes, they had to have men who were willing to write their name. That was a death certificate. It was a death notice when they signed the Declaration of Independence. If we wouldn't have won and won our independence from England, they'd have hung them publicly, my friend. And these men gave up business, gave up family, gave up everything to sign their name on the Declaration of Independence. And then they went out and fought and won it and gave it to us. And then from there, people have fought and lost lives and gave sacrifice so that we have freedoms. And what have we done with it? We've allowed people to come in. And guys, listen, I understand you can't just conquer them and kill them. But that don't mean you let every little voice have a say and shut us up. We got to speak up, folks. We got to stand up or we are going to lose America as we know it. Now, the good news is when you look at this story, and man, it is good news. It says, then the children of Israel did evil in verse 11 in the sight of the Lord and they served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed the other gods among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. Look at what it says. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtaroths. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers. Guys, if you can't see that America very recently is under the influence of the hand of the plunderers. We're not prospering. We're not growing. The favor of God ain't showing on us like it used to. You know why? 
Because this is an example of how God deals with people. It's given to us for our ammunition. Just as God dealt with Israel, he's going to deal with me and you and our family and our country. He does not change. He doesn't show partiality to Americans any more than he does Israelites. And I want you to see what he says right there. He says, they forsook the Lord and served Baal, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Guys, I read that, and it breaks my heart because it's as if we can't stand anymore against corruption, dishonesty, the things that used to exemplify us. Guys, listen, I'm a firm believer that a man is not represented by the color of his skin on the outside. A man is recognized by the content of his character that comes from the outside of who he is that starts from the integrity in his heart. And we're all equal. And friends, listen, today we have listened to every voice but the voice of this book. Every other voice gets a say but this one. CNN... ABC, NBC, and even Fox has very little of this on it. But they got everybody else speaking. And what do we do? We sit around and we murmur, we cry, we whine. And we don't do anything. Friends, listen. I don't know about you, but I believe America's worth fighting for. Amen? America's worth believing in. You know why? This is a wonderful word in this text. In verse 15, he says... Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. As the Lord had said, and the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Guys, that's where America is. We're greatly distressed. Everywhere we turn, there's a hurricane already coming to hit Florida on top of a tragedy that just seen a building fall that they ain't even got how many is going to end up caught in that. Everywhere you look, there's one thing after another that's happening to us. And friends, listen, but the wonderful word I want you to see is in verse 16. With all of that, with all that they've done, he said, nevertheless, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out. You know what? When you read the book of Judges, the book of Judges reveals a life of spiritual cycles in the children of Israel. And when I look at those cycles, those same cycles are in my life and my walk with the Lord. In every church I've ever pastored with the Lord, in every nation of people. See, those cycles are this. You see the people of God in Israel disobey God. You see terrible disobedience, and then you see discipline. And the Lord disciplines them. And as the Lord disciplines them, just like we see Him doing to America today, just like He did to them then, then the people repent. And they have a heart of repentance, and then the Lord delivers them. That's where it gets the name for the book of Judges. You see, the generation of Judges was not faithful to God, which led to the cultural decline. I want you to think about this. The book of Judges shows what happens to a society when it drifts away from following God and turns away from its moral standards. When we do not let the Word of God be our absolute standard of right and wrong, we will become our own standard of what is right and wrong. And that's what America has done When there is no longer an absolute standard of truth, everything will become relative 
and we will believe truth is whatever we want it to be, and that's what's happened to America. You know what, America will get God's blessing back? When we say, Lord, we have turned from your word. We have forsook you. With all of the advantages and blessings and all what you gave us, church houses on every corner, access to Bibles in every home, preachers preaching everywhere, but nobody listening. Nobody applying. When we turn and repent, the Lord will deliver us just like he did them. He delivered them over and over. Every one of those judges is a deliverer. And know what would happen? Just like us, they'd be a cycle. They'd be a season of disobedience. They'd fall from God, and then God would, dis- he would discipline them. And then as he disciplined them, they would turn to God, and they would repent, and they would cry out, and in his mercy, he would send a deliverer. He would send a deliverer. You know, people don't understand how God works. But he used people that don't make sense. One of those deliverers was Samson, a womanizer. But he used Samson even to deliver them. He used Gideon. Friends, I don't know if you realized it yet, we need a deliverer that comes from God, not Washington, D.C. We need a deliverer that God sends, not the people chooses. There ain't a man for the job unless God sends him. Can I get an amen? And you know what? Unless we cry out, I doubt God's going to send him. I'm going to close with this letter. Because, man, I got hope America is in a place to finally have revival. Because I don't see it getting no better. How about you? How many of you get our Baptist newsletter from the association? Man, Brother Lane hit a home run on his letter this week. I'm going to read it to us and we're going to close. He says, a prayer for America on this July 4th. I want you to listen to what he wrote. Brother Lane is the director of missions for our association. He's over all of our churches. And he says, Father, we bow before you because we have nowhere else to turn. For over 200 years, you blessed our nation beyond compare. Our country has been the freest, wealthiest, and most blessed nation in the history of the world, but no longer. Lord, we don't feel very blessed today. Frankly, it seems like we are under a curse. Maybe we are. Over the past year, we've experienced a pandemic. We've been quarantined. We've watched the national economy come to a screeching halt. We've witnessed riots and destruction. We've seen our cities burned and seen a president impeached. Father, we are divided by race, ideology, and politics. Even family and church members have been at odds. Lord, you told us a house divided cannot stand. We implore you, our gentle shepherd, to come to our aid in this desperate hour. We thank you that you are a God of mercy and grace because we certainly don't deserve your goodness. We deserve wrath and judgment for our rebelliousness and our arrogant spirits. We've been greedy and prideful. We've made a mockery of the definition of family and we've killed our unborn. Father, your word says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But it also says the wicked shall be cast into hell and all the nations that forget God. Should we be surprised that our leaders not only lack godly wisdom, but seem to have lost all common sense? That's why we come to you, Lord. Would you hear the prayers of an unworthy remnant who are crying out to you, humble us, heal us, 
Unite us, revive us. Father, we plead for our movement of your spirit, just as your mighty hand parted the Red Sea and provided a way of escape for the Israelites. Would you once again provide a way out for America? You and you alone are sovereign. You are omniscient and omnipotent. Nothing is impossible with you You alone have the words of eternal life. We cry out to you for the sake of our children and our children's children to once again make us one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Father, I know, guys, you have jacked up my 4th of July. I'd rather ruin this one and have many more than to comfort you with a lie and soothe you in the wickedness of America's sin and make you feel good about 4th of July when we may lose and not have enough. I don't know about you, I want to see many more. I believe God can bless us. I believe God can unite us. But we got to get broken, folks. we got to get serious. That letter is from the heart of a man who sees things the way they are, not the way we wish they were. When the church gets on an altar and does just what that letter said, Lord, we ain't what we used to be. And I'm asking you, Today, out of all the things you could do today before you leave this place, there's nothing greater than to show your humility, to show your true, genuine faith that I'm willing to bow the knee. I'm willing to put my face to the ground before God and ask for his mercy on my nation before it's too late. You might not be able to buy our altar. Just come and sit at the front. I'm inviting everybody in here. If you love America, we need to pray for America. If you love your grandkids, I can't imagine the America they're going to get. Look what we've seen happen in 50 years. Can you imagine 50 more? Friends, it's got to have an intervention. We've got to have an interruption by holy God or it's over as we knew it. Deep down we know it, but we don't want to admit it. But I'm here to tell you, the start of getting healing and getting God's blessing is getting real and saying, Lord, it ain't what it should be. Will you have mercy? I'm going to ask you today. We're going to play. And I'm going to just ask the band to play. And if you want to ask God to bless America, I'm going to pray right here. I'm going to pray. I'm asking you to pray with me. And we'll all together ask God to bless America again. We need revival, folks. We need God's grace and mercy like never before. Because he can do it. Only God can do it. Would you pray? As we stand together, though, I want to invite you. Maybe you're not saved. I'm going to bow and pray. I'm going to be standing up. When I stand back up, half the church I'm believing is going to be up here praying if we got any spiritual discernment. If you're out there and you're not able to pray, you're not saved, you come get me. I want to sit with you. You can be saved today, amen? Because listen, regardless of what happens to America, if you're born again, if you're under the blood, we're going to be okay, amen? So I want to invite you to do that. We're fixing to pray. I'm going to say a prayer and then everybody else will pray that we